Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're going to Well, good morning again. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. If you missed hour one, please go and listen to it. I think you'll be blessed and encouraged by the conversations that we had. Um, You can grab it as a podcast later today at myfaithradio.com. Or if you'd go ahead and download the app, the Faith Radio app, and subscribe to the podcast, Mornings with Carmen, wherever you get your podcast, then um, it'll, it'll populate there for you. Like, right, you could even set it to auto-download or those kind of cool features. With that, you're going to get the show notes. And so everything that uh, we talk about in terms of like, hey, I read this article or we're talking about this book or we're talking with this individual, um, all of that, all of those resources are linked in the notes for the show that are posted as show notes, um, both at MyFaithRadio.com and um, and wherever you subscribe to podcasts. And so I encourage you to check that out. A couple of um, international headlines um, before we jump into our conversation this morning with, um, with Heather Zeiger, with whom we have great plans at the intersection of faith and bioethics and all that's going on in the science world. But here's a couple of headlines you'll want to be aware of. Um, Russia is targeting infrastructure in the Ukrainian capital of Kiev. Um, they're doing this as winter approaches. Uh, Kiev is preparing for a blackout. They are also um, preparing to evacuate the civilians of the nation's capital if a total blackout occurs. Um, and Russia, uh, we, we talked about this yesterday, Russia uh, controls the city of Kherson, but um, there is a, a counteroffensive where Ukraine is seeking to retake Kherson and um there's a lot going on in in that city and in that region that is just cause for us to be praying, right? We just, I know that this is one of those times when we're on our knees and we have our hands lifted up and we're like, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Um, protect the innocent. Um, let, your, let your sovereign will be worked out. Um, and in the midst of all of this, um, let us know how to pray how to pray. And sometimes it is just with silence and open hands before the Lord. Um, also, a uh, headline from Russia this morning, you know the name Brittany Griner. We have talked about her in the, in the past. She's an American basketball player. Um, she, uh, she is serving a sentence in Russia, um, and she was moved from the, the place where she had been incarcerated um, and after her appeal of her nine-year sentence was rejected last month, she has now been moved to a Russian penal colony for the duration of her um, sentence. And so I want to be praying for her and what she is now facing um, in that environment. Uh, lots of layoffs going on in the, um, 
in the world of media and social media, the Facebook's parent company Meta has cut 11,000 jobs, 13% of its workforce. Um, and, and on the Twitter front, um, you know, nearly half of Twitter employees have gotten pink slips since uh, Elon Musk took over. Some of them apparently being rescinded as, oh, we didn't really mean that because come to find out their jobs are essential <laughs> to, to the way the whole thing functions. So all of that is going on. Um, and and I don't know about you, but in driving around, I am noting that clearly Christmas is coming. I mean, I know this because we've passed Halloween, but I'm now driving around and I have like seen neighborhoods where they've already set up the decorations at the entrance. The lights are on, the bows are on, the, you know, the, the wreaths are out. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, that's a little early for me. I'm a day after Thanksgiving girl in terms of when I'm ready to start focusing on getting ready for Christmas. But actually, the day after Thanksgiving is a little late if you're going to actually be ready to enter into the season of Advent in a way that um, you're going to be prepared for Christmas. So I'm going to invite you today, recognizing that Christmas is coming and decor is going up, um, I'm going to invite you to consider going to MyFaithRadio.com and signing up for our Advent Reading the Bible Together study. So um, it's right there on the front page today at MyFaithRadio.com. We would love for you to read. I would love for you to read with me our Advent Reading the Bible Together series. Um, and we at Faith Radio would um, would enjoy doing that together with you. So go to MyFaithRadio.com and sign up for our Advent Reading the Bible Together um, series. All right, next up, Heather Zeiger is going to join us. She is going to um, she's going to help us understand sort of where we are at the intersection of faith and bioethics, things going on in the world of science. One of the things she's going to explain is something I didn't even know about. One one hundred and thirty seventh. What what is that? One over one hundred and thirty seven. Why would I need to know that number? And why does it keep popping up? One one hundred and thirty seventh. Yeah, we'll be right back. is back. She's a science writer. You can find her at heatherzeiger.com. All right, Heather, is it too early to put up Christmas decorations just according to your own personal calendar? So personally, I decorate the Saturday after Thanksgiving, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Christmas music is fair game. Oh, you and Paul. There you go. Yes! Paul just confessed. There you go. <laughs> Paul just confessed to listening to Christmas music. Oh, I and I said. Yeah, I, I don't even know why we ever stop. We should just listen to Christmas. It's very happy. It's very joyful. It keeps us grounded. Christmas music all year round. I'm with oh, you on there that. There you go. There you go. Um, okay, um, ki- people have kids, and kids need to go to the doctor, but we have a pediatric, a pediatric care crisis in the United States of America. So tell us what you're hearing from your friends and then what you know sort of on the wider scale. Sure. So um, one of my friends who's a pediatric care nurse 
uh, said that her their office is getting slammed with patients, and then hospitals are having to divert patients to other children's hospitals, even in big cities like where I live. And she said, my friend said that the big culprits right now, RSV is, is the biggest culprit. So that's a respiratory virus. Usually children get that uh, before the age of two. However, because of the pandemic and, you know, isolating or hand washing or these types of things, some children were not exposed to RSV early in life. And so now when they're getting it as toddlers, you're, they're getting a, uh, they're getting a more severe case. Um, But, and then you have your normal amount of little children that are getting RSV. So that's difficult because you need uh, children's hospitals because they're well-equipped for the very young. But she said they're also seeing the flu, which has made made an appearance early this year. Um, Several schools where I live, including my husband's school, had to shut down for half the week last week because there were so many flu cases. And then she said there are some COVID cases. Uh, as well as, you know, the the adenovirus type cold cases that come in. So you have all of those just coming together all at the same time. And what we're seeing is just uh, over, over full children's hospitals. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm th- this, this combination of RSV and the flu and just everything else that kids need. Um, I'm, I'm looking at these headlines um, really across every, uh, every media platform. Children's hospital beds um, are full across the country and yep. parents um, are facing long waits and delayed care. Um, that's a real concern to people. So thank you for bringing this to our attention. Um, uh, and we just want to encourage you, if you're listening right now, um, you know, let's be thankful that we live in a nation where there is really good health care. Let's do our best to keep our kids as healthy as we can, and then let's help each other when these when these times arise, when um, those within our community and our families of faith have a kind of have a need where they might have to travel to get the care for their child, um, which may mean they're going to need some help at home that we could provide. I mean, you know, they're going to have to leave their pets behind. They might have um, other children who need some care or other things at their home or work. So let's be you know let's be surrounding families and alleviating as much stress as we can. Um, when they're facing these challenges, um, Heather, when we come back, can you um, can you talk? Uh, can you share with us um, why we're talking about the number one one hundred and thirty seventh? Why does that number keep popping up, and um, and and why should I actually be interested? Because I think I should be interested, but I'm not sure why. One one hundred and thirty seventh. Heather Zeiger is going to explain it next. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Don't deck the halls with the tinsel or the holly. You can make me grumpy, but you can't make me jolly. We're talking with Heather Zeiger. You can find her at heatherzeiger.com. From there, one of the things that you can find uh, is the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. And and there, 
you can discover why the number one over 137 actually matters. Mm -hmm. Okay. You say this story of just is just cool and allows us to talk about the fine tuning of the universe, which means I am now interested. What is the number one over 137 and why does it keep popping up in physics? Yeah. So sometimes in, in physics, in chemistry, in science, we have these constants and we don't know why these constants have to be exactly the way they are. But if they weren't, everything would fall apart. So the number one over 137 is this ratio that appears in physics, and it has to do with the ratio of uh, electromagnetic uh, charged particles and how they interact with each other. It has to do with the ratio that shows up in equations when it has to do with matter interacting with light. So for example, if you have a charged particle and it's interacting with a photon, so when I say a charged particle, I mean like electrons, protons, and interacts with photons. And it turns out that the way it interacts has to do, has to do with this fine structure constant, one over 137. Another interesting thing, one over 137, that's not exactly the constant. It, the 137 is actually 137 point, and then there's a whole bunch of numbers, just like the number pi. We approximate pi is 3.14, but if, as you remember as a little kid and maybe you had a math teacher that had pi, the number pi going across the top of the wall or something, it's 3.1415, on and on and on. Similar kind of thing. Here's a ratio. It shows up in physics and chemistry. And people are very interested in trying to figure out how precise can we learn this number. So I feel like from a faith perspective, this is where God knows the number of hairs on your head, like even moment by moment. And it's something that I could never even begin to know um, because, again, it's 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 such a exact number um, and it's like beyond my knowing. I feel like there's there are some things out there that. They're exact, they're precise, they're constant, they're required for the universe to actually work, um, and yet they're, they are beyond our knowing because they are infinite as well. And so there's something just really cool about that. Yeah, it's really, I've read that some physicists look at these fine-tuned constants and they think, man, it's like somebody has monkeyed with the dials of the universe and set it just right for life, for everything to happen. And so at some point, you have to ask yourself, well, this was either chance or it was design. All right. So do you want to talk about monarch butterflies or do you want to talk about disability and discipleship? Because they're both really, um, really interesting conversations. One may be potentially more fun than the other. Yeah. So disability and discipleship is an important one for the church. Um, so maybe we'll start with that. Monarch butterflies, those are just those are just cool. Another cool science thing. Cool. All right. Well, we may get um, to monarch butterflies, and if we don't, you can check it out um, uh, at apnews.com. Talk with us about uh, discipleship and disability. There was an article in The Atlantic um, on, on chronic pain, or in, in an article on chronic pain. So can we just talk about, because I think sometimes when we talk about disability, we don't think of chronic pain as as a part of that, but... This is a really wide-ranging conversations at, conversation at everydaybioethics.org. Yeah, so 
First of all, some of my friends in the disability community, they like to call those of us that are technically not disabled, they like to call us temporarily abled. And the reason why is because all of us at some point are going to experience some form of disability, either temporarily or as we age um, permanently. So in one sense, we all need to be concerned about the idea of disability. We also need to understand that disability isn't just, um, you know, bodily impairment, but disability can also happen because of chronic pain. It can, it, it can also be due to intellectual or cognitive decline. Um, and we also have to recognize that with things like chronic pain, um, disability is compounded by the mental aspect in the sense of um, anxiety, and depression, uh, the fatigue that comes with chronic pain. So a lot of times the medical world has trouble dealing with chronic pain. And we've seen this in the past where so many of these autoimmune diseases that cause chronic pain were, have gone undiagnosed for so many years. Um, but then also in the church, sometimes we, uh, we fail to recognize how can we accommodate someone who is dealing with chronic pain or, and sometimes the, the, cognitive, the cognitive disabilities or the brain fog that comes with chronic pain. Um, C.S. Lewis has a quote that I, I really like, and he, he, uh, it's in The Problem of Pain. And he says that um, pain is God's megaphone. He shouts to us in our pain. And I think people who have become aware of their body, if you will, people who have to deal with chronic pain on a daily basis they experience their finitude, their mortality, um, their need for God uh, in a much more acute way than sometimes those of us that are not dealing with chronic pain. So there's a lot that can be said about the medical and the, the kind of research aspect. How can we learn more about chronic pain? What kinds of things can we do to help people with chronic pain? And, but there's also the spiritual aspect. How can... How can um, how can we help those in our community and in our churches deal with different types of pain? You, um, you directed my attention to a piece at The Atlantic, um, Why Does Chronic Pain Hurt So Much? Um, Kieran Satia, um, when doctors ran out of answers for me, I looked to philosophy instead. It's an interesting um, observation from a person who at the age of 27, um, you know, heard for the first time from doctors, like, you know, we give up. We don't know what to tell you. There's nothing more. Uh, there's no more tests to run. There's no more treatments to offer. You're on your own. Um, that moment when that happens, like I have a number of friends who have been told that, and they can all take you back to the moment they heard that when a doctor said for the first time, we give up. Um, and it's um, it's a critical moment, I think, for a person of faith, because even though um, in that moment, medical science, medical technology has not caught up with whatever it is that is causing them acute and chronic pain, um, God is still present. God is still near. God is still able. The community of faith is still available. Um, and yet a lot of people move from hearing that there's nothing that can be done for their physical pain to um, to very very real depression, and so we just want to we want to say that this morning we know that we recognize it, um, we hear you, we see you, we're praying for you, 
Um, and so if that's you today, just know that we're, um, we're acknowledging your pain and the position that you find yourself in. And we're also offering the hope of the, the very real presence of God right now. Um, and, and I'm going to just personally pray that he would tend to you um, at your point of deepest need in this moment. Um, Heather, um, we have one minute for you to tell us about monarch butterflies. Sure. Monarch butterflies, they travel from Canada all the way through the United States and into Mexico. So you get to see them. If you live through the central United States, you get to see them every year. Neat thing. If you have kids and you have a chance, do either look at a video or if you live in the right area, find some milkweed before October and see if you can find uh, the caterpillars. Maybe collect a few, collect some milkweed, watch them form a chrysalis. So that's like a cocoon, but they form a chrysalis. And when they do that, that caterpillar actually dies within that chrysalis. It digests itself before it metamorphosizes, metamorphosizes into a butterfly. And this is a great object lesson, um, kind of learning about, uh, you know, a, a very nice visual of kind of death and resurrection and um the chrysalis is like a tomb, and it's also just really neat to learn about um, how monarch butterflies and their metamorphosis cycle. All right. Uh, and if you didn't um, collect milkweed prior to October, which most of us didn't, um, apparently there's all kinds of vendors out there who did. So maybe you've got a neighbor who did or a farmer who did. So there you go. Um, Heather, as always, thank you so much um, for joining us. You guys can check out what Heather is working on at her uh, at her website, heatherzeiger.com. You can also um, find the the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity and the things that they're working on at bioethics.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Are you ready for a fresh conversation? Would you like to change the nature of the conversations that you're in? Um, What's your default conversation? What are the preferred conversations that people around you really want to have? How might we enter into them? Like, do you have questions, like, prepared in your pocket? Do do you have some, like, go-to questions to get to know other people to start conversations in a fresh way. Yeah, I am really, really intrigued um, by the six conversations. We're going to talk with Professor Heather Holloman next. She's the author of the six conversations, Pathways to Connecting in an an Age of Isolation and Incivility. Oh, I'm so looking forward to this. We'll be right back. Heather Holloman is an associate teaching professor at Penn State. She's also the author of a brand new book, The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility. Heather, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, I'm so glad to be on your program. I'm really excited about our conversation. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I, um, I love to talk to people and with people 
And I love to talk about people. So now, see, I have you, and you love all those same things. So talk with us about um, kind of what stimulates this, and that is a desire for conversational revival. What is that, and what might it look like? Well, first of all, what stirred it was really the epidemic of loneliness on college campuses and all that I was reading, the health studies about the impact of chronic loneliness. And I was showing my students the Harvard Grant study, which says the number one factor, um, the number one determining factor in a happy life is warm connections. And so my students would say, how do we get those? Let's learn about warm connections. So the book is really about what I call a conversation revival. And it's about learning the mindsets, the goals, and really the tools we need to have a lifetime of loving and warm connections with others. So I, um, this is not just about making my worldview known to others and getting them to conform to my way of thinking. This is really like, this is really about love. So it is. um, Yeah. So can you start there? Yes. And I'm someone who was a national debater. I love argument. I teach argumentation. Really, that's not what this book is about. In fact, when I started writing it, one of my colleagues said, oh, good, teach us how we can, you know, win and tell everyone how stupid they are. And, you know, they were in that realm of argument. This book is about love. It's rooted in Philippians 2 and what God was teaching me about what it means to value others above ourselves, to take on their interests And to learn how to carry one another's burdens, like from Galatians 6, it's really about how to love people well in conversation. And so the book doesn't begin right away with giving you all the tools. It really starts with the fresh mindsets that you need. And there are four of them, learning how to be curious, believing the best, expressing concern, and sharing your life with other people. All right, do those again. Curiosity. Are we ready? Curiosity, Mm -hmm. which we're really bad at. A lot of people are self-obsessed. They're not interested in other people. They don't know how to engage other people with loving and meaningful questions. Number two, we're terrible at believing the best about people. A lot of my students and my colleagues, like when you meet someone, instead of believing the best, we're more likely to think, okay, who did they vote for? What do they believe about Roe v. Wade? What was their stance on vaccines? So we're approaching people with judgment instead of what's called unconditional positive regard. The third one is expressing concern, taking on a special, um, you know, just like a special responsibility for people's welfare, not in a way that overwhelms you or violates your boundaries, but where you're willing to say, I will ask about this major stressor, I'll know about your upcoming decisions, I'll know the thoughts that keep you up at night, and I'll ask about them. And the last one is sharing your life. A lot of people are not willing to be vulnerable. They don't know how to share their lives well with other people. Those are so good. And those those mind shifts are just in and of themselves, like great, um, (laughs) thoughtful, like we could dwell there. We could dwell right. there. And it's so, like discipleship. It's maturity for me. Yes, yes, we could dwell there. I, I just, I love it. I so appreciate it. Um, all right, and if you're listening right now and you're saying to yourself, well, my appetite for this is totally whetted and I want a copy. Yep, sure enough, we're giving away copies today of the six conversations. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, all right, so loving, fresh, and then we actually get to the six conversations. I mean, you revisit the basics, which I think is critically important as well. But maybe tell us, what what are the six conversations? 
Well, the six conversations, and Carmen, this is so easy. You're going to be wondering, like, why didn't anyone teach me this before? You're never going to get lost in a conversation again, and you're always going to know how to start a conversation. So the six pathways are the six dimensions of what it means to be human. So every person you meet, think of these six categories. And however it works for you to memorize them, I have a lot of people ask, okay, how can I remember these? So just look at someone. Every person you see is social, meaning they have friends. They are physical. Think they ought, they have bodies and they have physical spaces around them. They're emotional. They're cognitive, meaning they're thinking about things. They're volitional, which means choices, their ability to make decisions, and they're spiritual. So whenever mm-hmm. I see a person, usually we think the emotional category, how are you? I like to go to the cognitive category. I'll say, I haven't seen you in a while. Tell me what you've been thinking about. That is a wonderful question to ask a friend. I've learned that young people love the social category. You can always ask someone, hey, tell me about the friends you've been hanging out with. And then you have endless permutations of where to go next in a conversation rooted in those six pathways of what it means to be human. Um, And so instead of like, let's say the physical category, instead of, um, you know, asking a question, you know, like, you know, how are you feeling? I might ask a physical question about, um, hey, tell me the story of that tattoo, (laughs) <laughs> right. You can ask right. about, the, oh, and I love how you said the story too. I found that people love, believe it or not, when you ask about their body and a lot of people don't remember to do that. And so I'll ask my students, okay, how are you guys sleeping? How is your sleep? And they will go on and on, Carmen, about melatonin, lavender, all of their you know sleep rituals. And I'll feel really connected to them because they'll say, Dr. H, what about you? How do you sleep at night? So, and physical spaces, sometimes we forget. People love it when you ask, hey, are you doing any home improvements? Or teenagers love it when you say, tell me what's new in your room or what did you do to your dorm room? And people like gardening. They like to think about things that they're, think of the five senses. Have you tried any new restaurants lately? What music are you listening to? We forget the whole spectrum of all the ways you can engage with another person in a loving and curious way. All right. So the six conversations are the pathways to conversations um, with everyone, anywhere, all the time. Social, physical, emotional, cognitive, um, volitional, which is the decision-making one, and spiritual. Maybe give us an, uh, an example or two in the volitional and spiritual categories. Well, those are hard to start off with, but I love these categories if you're willing to sort of take a social risk. So today I'll see some colleagues for lunch. And Volitional can be the past, like how did you decide something? So, hey, I heard you're working on this new curriculum. How did you decide to get involved in that project? That's a volitional question. It's also very loving to ask your friends, okay, I know, you know, the end of the semester is coming up or the end of the quarter, whatever it is, what major decisions do you have? What are your major upcoming decisions? That is such a loving question because we have so much decision fatigue. A lot of times your friends will love to engage with you about what's going through their mind as they're trying to make decisions. Now, the spiritual category, I love. I have the natural, you know, I have the gift of evangelism from the Holy Spirit. So I love talking about Jesus and pretty much anyone who knows me knows that I'm going to bring Jesus into the conversation. But it's hard to start off with a spiritual question. But if you want to try it, One thing you can do if like it's a really beautiful day outside or there's something in nature you're noticing or maybe something happened in the news, you could say, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Did you notice that thing that happened? It really made me think about 
my spiritual life. What about you? Have you been thinking about God lately? It does seem abrupt. It's hard to kind of start out that way. But I do that all the time because I love talking about God. I love talking about answers to prayer. I love talking about divine activity. And it really leads to one of the primary goals of Warm Connection, which is helping people marvel. You can encourage them. You can help them in their personal goals. But the research I read, the social science research says that if you can marvel with someone, you're going to have a warm and loving connection. You'll be less depressed. You'll be less anxious. And your your immune system will actually improve, Carmen. Your immune system, if you're marveling. I know. I just, it's so edifying to know this. And so you are such a gift to us today, We're going to continue unwrapping this uh, conversational revival with Heather Holloman um, in just a moment. But now's the time you should text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing for the copies of The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility that we have to give away today. Heather Holloman and I will be right back. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to, you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. Back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation with Professor Heather Holloman about her book, which you can check out, Heather, and connect with her directly at Heather Holloman. Dot com. The book is The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility. Um, Heather, everybody listening knows that um, one of my favorite parts of every book is if, a, if, a, if an author has an appendix, and you do. <laughs> I um, do. You I do. do. I love this about you, Carmen. I would have never guessed. Now, okay, I, want, I totally want to take over the interview and be like, why do you love the appendix? But it's your because, show, so you go on. No, I, well, I'll tell you why. Because the appendix often contains the thing that the author really wanted to share and the resource that the author really wanted to provide. And the, and the you know, the publisher and the editors required all of the chapters. Oh, I love this. Like, okay, like I'm going to look at the, the appendixes append- now. Yeah, the, the appendix is like the giveaway. It's like the Aww. thing that the author really wanted to give as the gift. Well, I so, do give a great gift. I do give my favorite gift. 100 favorite questions to get to know your students, in your case, but anyone. So yes. um, will you just give us a little bit of a peek into the appendices? 
Yes. Okay. These began as attendance questions. And so imagine my whole class has to answer this question, but really the research shows that when you ask someone a question and they disclose information about yourself, themselves, you're going to have a really warm connection. So I put my favorite 100 questions right now. I love asking people, what is your favorite way to procrastinate? You will learn more about people and what they love and value. And I remember what they answer because one of the things I learned from this book is how to listen for core values. So when I asked this the other day, you know, what's your favorite way to procrastinate? I'm learning about people who love baking banana bread, who will paint their bathroom, anything to avoid writing the paper that's due on Friday. I love what is your favorite way to procrastinate? My favorite way to procrastinate is probably baking, but I'm, I will confess, I currently am trying to break my TikTok addiction. Mm. I know. I just confess. I, I was vulnerable. I, well, I, no, there you go. And I'm not on TikTok. So I, Don't I, start. you know, Don't start. yeah, there you go. Um, my favorite way to procrastinate. I mean, this is where I have to decide whether or not I'm going to be honest. Be honest. I want to know. No, I want to right? know. I play solitaire on my phone. Or, you know, or spades. I love that. Do you want to hear how extroverted I am? I have never, ever played solitaire. <gasps> I will. I'm. I'm never really? alone enough. Or I know ever when my my husband, who's an introvert, the one it would everyone burst out laughing. We were at like a Thanksgiving party and we were talking about solitaire. And I said, "What is that?" <laughs> and everyone started laughing because they were like, "You're so extroverted. Of course, you've never played solitaire." Because I'm never. I'm never really alone for long periods of time. Okay, that's hilarious. Anyway. I have. I have a friend in Dallas, his name's um, Shelly, and um, I was with her at an event, and we were sitting at a table, uh, you know, like, you know, like, our group was at at the same campus, and so we're having breakfast in this big cafeteria, and the, and the table available, right, is with a bunch of teenagers from somewhere else, not in our group at all, and uh, Shelly asks the question, okay, okay, this is going to sound really strange, but I really want to know, what's your superpower, Oh, that's cool. And I thought, that's cool. I thought, okay, we know nothing about these kids. Nothing. Right. Zero. But that's a provocative question, and they can answer it at any level that they want. Yeah, it's creative. Um, by the way, whenever you're with a teenager who's open with you, ask them what question do you like people to ask you. I found out from my daughters that right now people love it when you compliment like their hair, their skin, their clothes, and then you can say something like, Tell me how you got it that way. So you see someone mm. with gray hair, see someone with gray hair, compliment. I tried this at a bonfire the other night. There were two girls sitting there. They were on their phones. Nobody was talking to me. I just said, girls, you've got the most gorgeous hair. Can you just tell me your hair care ritual? Oh my gosh, Carmen, they put the phone down and we talked for like 25 minutes about shampoo. <laughs> you know, And then I got to share my rituals and it was a really warm connection over hair care. So don't forget, Teens like to be complimented, complimented, ask them how they got the thing that you're complimenting. That is really cool. Okay. Yeah. That is fantastic. All right. So in the appendix of this book are a hundred of Heather's favorite questions to get a conversation going, right? That you can start with really anyone. Um, but let's jump back into the six conversations, uh, Heather, because you help us discover our default conversation style and like our default conversation the one we go to, and also yes. how to discern and discover what another person's preferred conversation might be. Can you just talk about those two complementary yes. things? Yeah. Yes. 
And this may actually save someone's marriage today. I love talking about the cognitive and, and I love it when people ask me about ideas and my spiritual life. And that's what I want to talk about pretty much all the time. That's my default conversation. I married someone who does not like to talk about those things. Ashley, my husband, Ash, he loves it when I ask him about the physical, physical processes, things he's doing in the garden, home improvement. He loves me to engage about the physical category. He knows that I love the cognitive. So he will ask me, he won't ask me, Heather, you know, what are you planning to do around the house today? He'll say, tell me what you're thinking about. What did you learn this morning in the Bible? So it's really, that's why I got Gary Chapman of the five love languages to write I was just going to say, totally yeah, lines up. That, yeah, yeah, it's, totally it's lines a love up language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, you can also get people out of their default conversational mode. Like my neighbor loves talking about sports. And so I'll ask, you know, did you go to the game on Monday? Because we're big Penn State basketball fans and he'll love to talk about it. But then I can quickly move to a different category that maybe he's not expecting. I could say, you know, we're getting older. How do you, how does your body handle sitting in those bleachers? You know, get him off his game a little bit and you'll get a really cool conversation. And then you'll notice that maybe he actually likes to talk about other categories and he's just never been engaged that way. So it's what you're doing is listening for one word answers like my daughter's. They don't want to talk about spiritual, cognitive, volitional. They feel judged if I do that. But if I say, tell me about your friends, tell me the drama, what is going on? You know, they'll go on and on because they love the social category. That's amazing. All right. See, that's so helpful. Um, yeah. So if you're if you're listening right now and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I I do have like a preferred or default conversation. And it does occur to me that I like to talk about the things that I'm concerned about, but I don't often, you know, turn with curiosity and real concern to the people I'm with the most um, in ways that really draw out from them genuine conversation, which is how we deepen our relationships. Um, we are talking with Heather Holloman. Um, we're talking about her book, The Six Conversations. And yes, we're giving away copies today. Text the word book to 877 Eight four Heather, what a delight! Um, any chance that you'll come back and talk with us again? I would love to. You're, I love talking to you because I can tell that you value the cognitive because you ask such good questions. Am I right? Did I did I guess that? Do you like it when people ask you what you're learning, what you're thinking? So I well, here's what I have learned in this role um, as a talk show radio host: people love to be asked about their thing. They do. They do. But And yeah, so I, I've I cultivated it. an ability to do that. I'm not sure that I am as good at answering questions about myself as I am Ooh. asking other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. Okay. Then mm-hmm. I would draw there you, you out. I can't wait. Yeah. You have would. Me back on. You would. This was a delight. Totally loved it. All right. You guys got to check out uh, what Heather is working on. You can find her at Heather Holloman, H-O-L-L-E-M-A-N. HeatherHolloman.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right, I feel like we've made a new friend this morning. Didn't you love her? I totally loved her. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna. Um, I'm going to task Paul Perot with 
getting Heather Holloman back on the show. Gladly. Already, she was great. Right? So energetic, so fun. And, Paul, yeah. it actually occurred to her that maybe I wanted to be in the conversation. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, right? right? She likes to converse. No question about right. that. I like it a lot. All right. Um, hey, what is on your heart and mind today? Thank you for each and every one of you who texted in your one word yesterday. Um, if you didn't have an opportunity to do that and you're in a position to do that today, here was the conversation we had yesterday. Like, whatever it is that's burdening you, like the the greatest burden that you're bearing right now, if we could um, intercede for you with one word, could you give your burden a one-word name? Give your burden a one-word name. Some people submitted the first name of an individual, some um, uh, a circumstance of life that they're um, that they're bearing right now. So I've been praying over those one-word um, offerings, and if you want to offer a one-word into that, text your one word, your one-word burden to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. We'll add you to our prayers today. Have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.